All right, I wanted to just start um, by practicing the prayer that Kim taught us last week in terms of just saying, here's the thing, God, help, you know, do this. Um, the thing that continues to be on my heart is just with the uh, international conflicts. Uh, primarily, this is Israel versus Palestine, you know, and it is absolutely brutal, the reports that we're hearing. Uh, my heart breaks every time I hear of it. Um, but I'm also reminded that this is not the only conflict that's happening, the only armed conflict. There's civil war going on in Yemen for a long time, uh, in Somalia, Ethiopia, uh, numerous other places where there's uh, really pretty bad things happening. Um, and whenever I start getting overwhelmed with the world and just hearing about loss of lives, loss of homes, families being split up, I just start saying, God, what do I do, right? Well, Kim taught us what we do. We say, God... There's this, there's this, there's this. You see it all, Lord. Reveal your kingdom, right? Even in unexpected ways. So I just want to take one minute, whatever's on your heart, whatever's breaking your heart this morning, just offer it up to God and say, Lord, here's the thing. Can you reveal your kingdom, right? And Kim, Kim taught us it's not going to be what we expect, so don't even worry about telling him what he's got to do. Just say, just work. Just, just be you. So let's take one minute silent in your heart, and just bring whatever's on your heart this morning and say, Lord, come reveal yourself. pray these in your son's name. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for engaging in worship, engaging in prayer. Uh, we were talking a little bit uh, at a meeting, kind of our year-end review with elders, trustees, and staff about how we really want this to be a place where we are genuinely present and that God's genuinely present, where we can meet here, this space. Um, part of that is being honest with where we're at and, and what we're doing. Um, the elders also wanted me to let you know uh, there was a competition and they won at this meeting. So just want to make sure that that's, that's been said. I was, I was surprised at how competitive people are, you know, where we did a little trivia game, right? It was like, it was like what's, what were the sermon series we went through this, this year, you know, and they had to like write it down. Like, don't worry, they couldn't remember either, you know? And, and you know, I was giving bonus points out if they could remember titles or, you know, all sorts of fun stuff. Um, but, but, it was surprising to see how many people get so intense. About so there, was, there wasn't even a prize. But then they made me say, well, will you say the winner on Sunday? Absolutely. But it, it all goes back. <laughs> no, look, look. It, it goes back to human nature, right? It's what we were joking about with, with the Christmas season, right? Where like when there's things going on, it's like, 
we get going, you know, and then we just kind of like get locked in. And, and so here we are, right, Advent series. We're, we're absolutely in the thick of Christmas season, right? There's one week left. So if you haven't gotten your gifts, go get your gifts, right? Wrap the gifts, put them under the trees. You're probably already decorated, or if you haven't, then just forget it for this year, right? You know, but the trees are up, the lights are up, the stockings are up. We've got even like a little dish towel that's like red and green checked or something like that. I saw that this morning. Thanks, hon. You know, it's like you've got all the decorations. We're ready. We're going. This is Christmas season. Now, do you remember a few years ago, I think it kind of got more intense. Also part of Christmas season was whether or not you could say Merry Christmas or if you had to use Happy Holidays. You remember that? Like, I feel like, I think it might have peaked maybe five, ten years ago where, where this was like a thing, you know? Like, now I, I, I don't hear it kind of as much. It's kind of, I don't know, I guess we're, we're dealing with other things, right? We pick, pick new scabs to pick, right? But what, what, what I, I looked at, sorry, I looked at, I wasn't in my notes. It, um, what I, I looked at a survey that people had done in 2015 to try to figure out based on the region of the United States, like where people more, would do they prefer Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays? And uh, we're part of the West, according to this survey, and we were plus 3% toward Merry Christmas, right? Just barely, but getting there. I know, see, it's like people are still rooting for it. You, you get it, you get it. But we were second place, right? If, if, that, if, that's, if that's the goal, to the Midwest. Midwest was plus 11%, but the South and the Northeast preferred Happy Holidays. But it was very similar to the Middle. Now here's, the, okay, it's kind of silly, right? If you want to be smug about it, like Happy Holidays is still a Christian term, right? Because it comes from Holy Days, meaning like, Christmas and, and the days that are set apart for religious observances. But, but most of the people, right, that, that are, are feeling this, it's because you don't want to take Christ out of Christmas, right? You know, where you feel this inevitable slide where Christmas used to be a Christian holiday and now it's a secular holiday, right? And so you're like, no, we can't, we can't say happy holidays. It's got to be Christmas, right? Uh, it's, very much, it's very much a secular holiday, right? Now here, look, You'll hear this from me all the time. Culture can do whatever culture wants, right? But what about us, right? Like, what about Christians, right? Well, I'm not, I'm not saying do we say Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays, but like, where's the Christ in Christmas, right? Now, here's, here's an actual question. I asked Sherry, and I asked myself this. Where is Jesus in Christmas and the whole Christmas season? Like, where is he? You know, and I'm like, all right, well, we've got a tree in our living room, so it's kind of like this new life. That's, it's like, no, you've chopped the tree down, and it's going to die. Like, that doesn't count. You know what I'm saying? And then it's like, well, there's lights on the tree, and that's like the light of the world coming. It's like, no, no, there's a bunch of little fluorescent lights, you know, and now they different colors, and they synchronize, you know, to music. It's like, that's, that's not it. That's not it, right? You know, we give gifts, you know, kind of like the wise men or like, God, he's generous, and so we give as well. And you're like, that's a stretch. That's not Jesus. Like, look, the only place I find Jesus at Christmas is at a Christmas Eve service and a nativity set. And that's it. Like the Christmas ham, no, it's not there. Chestnuts roasting on open fire, not there. Stockings hung by the chimney with care, not there. Sipping hot chocolate next to the fireplace with the snow coming down, not there. You know, like there's tons of Christmas traditions that are just secular, right? Like where's Jesus? Like hold on, I thought this was, this was Christmas, right? Christ must where do we find Jesus in the holidays? Where do you find him? Where, where are we supposed to find Jesus, right? All right, here we go. We're in the third week of Advent, the week before we're going to celebrate Christmas Eve. Uh, we've been looking uh, backwards through Jesus' life. We started with the resurrection, then looked at his death. We looked at his first miracle last week. Today, we're going to be looking at the start of his ministry. That's uh, at his baptism. So these are the events that demonstrate the significance, teach us who Jesus is, so that next week when we celebrate Jesus' birth is coming, we'd say, ah, and I know what all that means. 
Jesus' baptism is where the people found Jesus, right? So, so uh, it's the very start of the stories about who Jesus is, right? All the stories about the miracles and the teaching and, and who he was and how he changed the world. It all started at the baptism. So we're going to look at how they found him, and we're going to learn how we can find Jesus even now in our lives, not just Christmas season, but all throughout. So here we go. We're going to read. There's, there's four accounts of Jesus' life in the Bible. Uh, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the first four books of the New Testament. They all tell the story of Jesus from a slightly different perspective. And all, well, well, two of them have stories that start with Jesus' birth, right? So the Christmas story is Matthew and Luke. And so you'll see both of those being used uh, a lot during Christmas services. Uh, the, other four, or the other two uh, just start with his ministry. Um, but all of them, when they want to start talking about Jesus, the teacher, the guy that changed the world, it all starts with his baptism. All four of them have accounts. Um, more specifically, it starts with John the Baptist. So John the Baptist is the guy who baptized Jesus. He was a prophet that was foretold in the Old Testament that he would come. There'd be a voice in the wilderness, you know, preparing a way for the coming of the Lord. And so it's when Jesus meets John the Baptist, he's baptized by him, that's when everything starts and the world is changed from that. Uh, there's four accounts. I want to read all four of them with you. They're actually very short, so there's not a lot of uh, story to it. Uh, we're going to start with Matthew. It's the longest. It says this, Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I'm well pleased. Uh, and that's the end of the story. Uh, then we go to Mark. Uh, Mark is known for being shorter, straight to the point. Here's how he uh, summarizes the same event. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. Uh, then we have Luke. Uh, Luke's even shorter uh, than Mark. He's only got, uh, oh, I forgot one verse in Mark. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Uh, very similar to Matthew, except instead of to everyone, this one's just to Jesus. Uh, Luke, like I mentioned, I can fit it all on one, one screen if I kind of squish the bottom there. So we made it. When, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Uh, the Gospel of John doesn't have the story of the baptism, but it has John's testimony about the baptism. This is John the Baptist's testimony. So John the Baptist did not write John. Uh, I'll try to call John the Baptist, John the Baptist, uh, and John, John. See, it's, it's funny. I mean, you've got to have a last name here. Come on, you're killing us. All right, here, here's in John how it says it. Then John, that's John the Baptist, gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him, and I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Now here's the thing. Uh, the baptism itself isn't a good story. You know, it's like you don't learn about them in children's, 
you know, church, because like there's not a lot that happens, not a lot of action. Uh, even you can tell in these uh, in these stories, the emphasis is on, uh, you know, this, this afterwards, right? Like, like the, the, the spirit descending on him as a dove, you know, and God saying, you are my son with whom I'm pleased. Um, there's more of this, uh, it's, it's almost like a ceremony, right? Like, like the, the coronation ceremony, you know, or, or an ordination, you know, for a pastor that's set apart for ministry. Uh, that's the important part that we see here in the text, not so much uh, the action that comes with it. Uh, nothing actually happens during his baptism, right? So, so what I mean is this. Um, Jesus always was the son of God, right? So it's not like he gets baptized and then God's like, you are my son, you know? It's like, well, no, 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 he always was, right? He was always fully God, always fully human. There was nothing that changes about Jesus's nature when he's baptized, right? So it wasn't like this baptism was uh, important because it was gonna add some characteristic to him. It was, this is the ceremony he was gonna go through in order to start his ministry, because it's at this point, at this point that everything changes. It, right after this, now he's doing his first miracle, right? Now he's doing this teaching. Now, now things are starting to go, and all the way down to his death and his resurrection. Uh, this, at the baptism, is where Jesus goes from being Jesus the carpenter to Jesus the teacher, right? He goes from being Jesus, son of Joseph, to being Jesus, son of God. It's here. This is the start. And the the one thing I want us to point out and reflect on in terms of the baptism is the fact that Jesus does this in the most Jesus-y way possible. <laughs> now, here's what I mean. We're going to celebrate Jesus' birth uh, next week. Next week, that's Christmas Eve, right? <laughs> when Jesus was born, the nativity set, right, the one place that we actually have Jesus, right, it's in a stable of animals, Right? Like, just think of the nativity sets, right? There's like these like tents and shacks, and then where's Jesus? Oh, yeah, he's in the feeding trough, right? You know, it's like the most inauspicious beginning. We're saying, here's the king of the world come to save the earth, and yet he's starting with absolutely nothing, right? And there's these shepherds, you know, in like their rags, and they're like worshiping him, and it's, it's like, that doesn't make any sense. But, but here's what we learn about Jesus right from the start he's filled with humility and a, de a desire to be with us. These are two characteristics that are very Jesus-y, <laughs> humility and a desire to be with us. And of course, the beginning of his ministry is going to be the exact same thing. Just imagine, if there's a famous speaker, right, that wants to come to our church, we'll host them. Well, like, what does that look like? Well, we're advertising that. We're going to pack the place out, right? Maybe he charges a little bit of money, right? And, you know, hey, maybe this could offset some of those costs we're talking about, right? You know, but, but we make this big production, right? And then, then he's sitting down there, and I, welcome, you know, so-and-so from so-and-so, you know? And, and then I get off the stage. He takes the stage. He gets the mic. He comes up, and he blows us away with an amazing speech. And we're like, yes, wow, so cool to have hosted him, right? It would be an ordeal. It would be a production. It'd be something where, you know, you give the mic, you know, and take the stage and, and ready, go. And here's Jesus going out to the Jordan River. And here's John the Baptist. John the Baptist knows who Jesus is and says, here, well, you should be baptizing me, right? And instead, Jesus doesn't take the stage or the mic. He takes a seat with the crowd, right? This is what Luke says. Love it. Love it. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. <laughs> you know, it's like he just he gets in line with everyone else, right? It's the most humble thing. He just wants to be with us right? He's not trying to be, like, look, if you're trying to start, you know, a social media account, 
right, or you're trying to start a church or anything, you've got to start big with a bang. You've got to get some supporters. You've got to get some people that can get the name out there, right? Like you've got you to make some waves in order for people to start following you. Jesus is like, no, nah, just show up. Just, just, well, don't mind me. You know, just keep doing your thing, John. You know, and it comes to his turn, right? Baptize me too. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, no, this is what I'm doing. You know, this is to fulfill all righteousness. This is who I am. This is what's good and right. Jesus, filled with humility, filled with a desire to be with us. And even the fact, look, Jesus was baptized. This, this confuses people. This literally confuses Christians. What kind of a baptism was John preaching? Now, I didn't say it because we didn't do any of the run-up about what John was doing beforehand. He was kind of like a fire and brimstone preacher. Uh, he's crazy, right? He's kind of the man of the wilderness, eating locusts, you know, and scraggly clothes, beard probably like mine, you know, <laughs> on days that I don't shower. And then uh, he's, he's out in the Jordan River. The Jordan River is the separation from, you know, kind of Israel's land and then the wilderness out there, you know, the nomadic people. And, and so he's, he's kind of like on the outskirts uh, preaching repentance and saying God's judgment is coming. You need to turn from your ways, you know. And, and so the baptism, it says this in Mark 4. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And this is the baptism Jesus takes. I thought, oh, hold on, it, it wasn't Jesus perfect? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I thought he didn't sin. Why does he need to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins? This makes no sense. Oh, oh except for the fact that Jesus is filled with humility and a desire to be with us. So much of a desire to be with us that he consistently chooses to identify with and be with even the lowliest sinners. That's who he is. That's who he's with. And, and so this baptism symbolizes who Jesus is. When we say humility and we say desire to be with us, ultimately that's fulfilled in his death on the cross. Well, he didn't deserve that. He was, he was sinless. Well, he, did, he didn't deserve death. No, he took on our death. He took on our suffering. In his baptism, he takes on the sins of the people that he's with, and he says, I'll show you the way of righteousness. It's this way, through baptism. It's through death and then resurrection into new life. Baptism, the picture, uh, New Testament authors go back to the fact that baptism is a picture of death and resurrection over and over because what we see, because Jesus did it in a very Jesus-y way. It's like this is who he is. This is what his ministry will be all about. And ultimately, this is where the salvation comes from in the future. That's the significance of baptism. Jesus' humility, Jesus' desire to be with us. He doesn't come, you know, with, with a parade of lights, you know, and, and showing the world. He, he just takes a seat with the crowd and shows them the way. Here's the path filled with humility, submitting to John. Look, like John knew that Jesus is greater, and yet Jesus submits himself to John's authority and allows himself to be baptized. That's the humility of Jesus. I love it. There's even more Jesus-y things, right? Like one, one of the threads that I keep coming back to this Advent season is the fact that the Old Testament had set this whole thing up. Like J Jesus wasn't just some charismatic leader that jumps onto the scene and then everyone's like, whoa, let's start a religion with this guy. I mean, he's like really charismatic. No, 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 it's, it's been foretold. Not, and not just foretold, but it's been practiced, forepracticed, <laughs> you know, all throughout history of who God is and what his people is. And so Jesus comes and fits as a fulfillment. There's so many pictures of Jesus' baptism before Jesus was, was baptized. Uh, Peter, uh, in 1 Peter, he, he makes a connection back to Noah's Ark. 
You remember Noah's Ark, right? So it's like the guy builds the big boat and all the animals come in and God floods the earth, but they're all saved because they're in the ark, you know? Uh, what happens there is that Noah and his family are saved through the waters of God's judgment and wrath. And so here's Jesus. You know, John's preaching this baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. There's God's wrath coming, and yet it's through the water that we are going to be saved, right? Where Jesus is now the ark, we hold on to him and his baptism, right? And not, not just our baptism, right? He's the one baptizing with the Spirit that can actually transform us. But I like even one more picture. Do you remember in the story of Noah's ark, uh, how did they know to come out of the ark? How did they know that, that God's judgment was fulfilled, right? That there's no more wrath. What was it? A dove. A dove came out and brought an olive branch back, showing the gentleness of God, showing the peace, that there's peace between God and man. Because the whole flood came about because God was bringing judgment on the earth. It was not good enough, right? When Jesus comes up out of the water, what do we see from God? His spirit descending as a dove, representing the peace there's peace between God and humanity. Why? Well, because of Jesus oh, and because of what Jesus would do on the cross. You see, the symbolism of Jesus' baptism is looking forward to what will be accomplished on the cross. The peace between us and God, represented by the dove, is only found through Jesus and his baptism and his death, right? Oh, and there's, and there's more, right? The Jordan River. That, that's, that's way on the outskirts of town, right? Like, Again, if you're, if you're going to start a religious movement, why not start in Jerusalem, right? That, that's where the temple is, right? That's where God is. That's where everyone who's someone or everyone who's aiming for something is. No, it's, it's John the Baptist way out here in the Jordan River. Of course he got baptized in the Jordan River, right? What was that? To the God's people. Read, read Joshua chapter 1, 2, and 3. What they had to do is they had to cross the Jordan River to enter the promised land, right? They, they were held out. You know, and, and God had trained them up and said, here's what you're going to do. Here's, and they said, yes, we will follow you. This will be it. Well, the final thing you have to do is you have to cross the Jordan River, and I'll take you to my, my place of blessing and my place of peace. So Jesus is essentially saying, hey, there's going to be a new Israel. Follow me through the Jordan River, and I will take you to God's peace and God's blessing. The same way, of course, it had to be the Jordan River that Jesus starts because he's going to restore Israel. So it's got to start at the Jordan River, Right? And then, and then there's more, right? So, you know, you look at the, the other places that water turns up in the Old Testament. Uh, there was one man who was the high priest who could talk with God, right? So when they created the temple, there's the holy of holies place that no one is allowed to enter except one man, a high priest, on one day, the Day of Atonement. And then they could, he could commune with God. He could talk with them and kind of um, help pay for sins through this elaborate process you can read about in Leviticus. The way that they get set apart is that they have to be anointed, and there's a special ceremony, and it has to do with a ritual cleansing, and then they're anointed with oil, and then they are set apart as the human representative that gets to talk with God. Well, Jesus, the author of Hebrews points this out, he's our ultimate high priest. No more need for high priest. Why? Because Jesus is that intermediary. He can represent both humanity and God, and he can have access to both full-time, and he's perfect, right? He can fully take away our sins. He is the high priest, and so when he's getting ordained for that role, of course, he's going to need ritual cleansing, and he's going to need anointing. Ritual cleansing by John the Baptist, anointing by the Spirit of God. Like, all, all these pictures, like, you know the stories, right? You've grown up with these stories, and now you're living it, right? Now, like, look, if you're paying close attention, you'd be like, whoa, <gasps> Jesus, gee, oh, 
wait, is he, could he, yeah, he's, he's declaring himself. This is his public, yes, I'm him. <laughs> it's me, right? I'm the one. <laughs> he's publicly ordained at his baptism. If you're paying attention, you can see it. It's, it's the practice. He's, he's recreating everything that has been lived and experienced in his baptism, saying, I'm here. And, and now, now we can start. And if you missed all those signs, well, then God's voice will, hey, this is my son, right? I'm pleased with him, right? You see the dove coming down. It's a pretty unmistakable event right here. So that's where they found Jesus, right? Down by the Jordan with all the people getting baptized by John. That's where we, that's where we find him in the, in the text. How about us? Where do we find him? You know, like he's in the Jordan? <laughs> like where, where, where do we go? Not everyone saw him even there, right? John the Baptist saw him immediately, knew that he's the guy and he's shouting it out. Uh, Gospel of John makes it very clear that John the Baptist knew this is the Messiah. Don't follow me, follow him. He's, he's the one, right? Uh, there's Pharisees that were present. You know, Matthew tells, tells us this, uh, that were kind of doing one of those like, who are you? Like, John the Baptist, get out of here. You know, they probably were skeptical. Why? Because the Pharisees were part of the group that was opposed to Jesus his whole life and part of the group that wanted him killed you know, and ultimately help put them on the cross. So they probably see, the, see all these things, they either ignore them, right, or they, or they, they just completely miss them. They're skeptical. And then there's the, the crowd, you know, everyone else who's present there at the, the banks of the river, some being baptized, some follow him. I mean, the, the, there's stories, that his disciples start from, from John's disciples, and some say, okay, this, he's the one. All right, we're jumping over here. Some are more kind of at a distance. Well, l- let me hear a little bit more of his speaking, right? Let me, uh, let me see what he does, and, and then I'll kind of figure it out. But here's what they all had in common. If you were going to see Jesus at the start of his ministry, you had to be on the banks of the Jordan River listening to John the Baptist. And here's what that means. That means that you were willing to go far out of town in order to seek a teacher who is taking very seriously the relationship between us and God. Someone who is, who is telling you that your sins are actually a massive problem, right? You're willing to be challenged. You're willing to participate in a baptism of repentance. You're willing to, uh, to be ridiculed for following such a goofball of a leader, right? You know, someone who's embarrassing perhaps to follow. Uh, you're not chasing clout or chasing the good looks in the temple of Jerusalem. You're going where there's life, where there's hope, and where there's a message that requires humility and a desire for repentance. So that Jesus filled with humility and a desire to be with us. The people who see God are the people filled with humility and a desire for repentance. And they can forget everything else because they're there with John the Baptist and they're the ones who get to find Jesus, right? They're just listening, they're willing to be challenged, and then here's Jesus and they find him. For us, uh, this... This is available, <laughs> right? In the Christmas season, we're, I, I'd, even, I'd even go so far as to say you're not going to find Jesus necessarily at the church service. You're not going to find him in the nativity scene. He's going to be at the banks of the Jordan with the people who are humble and have a desire for repentance. Repentance, meaning a, a desire to leave your old ways, right? Like the reason why you do baptism, a baptism, like a cleansing, right? Like, like you, you're buried, right? Oh, now I'm using terms from Jesus' death. All right, so from, from ritualistic cleansing, right? You're dirty, you go in the water, you come up and you are purified, right? And your dirt remains in the water, 
right? And so the, the cleansing of baptism is, is representing you saying, I have sin, I have problems, I have weaknesses, I have things I'm holding on to that separate me from God. Therefore, I will enter the water so I can be cleansed of these things so that when I come out, I can be pure and I can have a relationship with God. That's the kind of baptism that John is offering. And Jesus is saying, yes, and I'll do you one better, right? Like, I will actually take your sins and I will remove them so that you can actually be at peace with God. That's available for us today. For who? The people that are humble with a desire for repentance. So here's what, I, here's what I suggest for us. Don't go rushing around or trying to find Jesus or adding Jesus even to our Chris, Christmas holiday. Uh, be more humble. Be, be more brokenhearted, right? Be more repentant. Be more like the people that are willing to go far away from the hubbub, away from what looks good in order to be real about your relationship with God in order to recognize where am I actually separated from him? Like what are those things I'm holding on to that are preventing me from having a relationship with God? I want those gone. A, a, a spirit of repentance says, let me leave those behind and let me just follow Jesus. If that's where your heart is, that's where you'll find Jesus because he, look, some of us when we say uh, confess your sins, right, or repent, you know, you start feeling like, ah, I'll just get better, and then I'll tell him, like, hey, I had a problem with this thing, but look, I'm doing better now, right? Like, we all do this. We all do this. It's scary to come to a, an authority figure and admit wrong, you know, because then they have the power to, to give you punishment, right? But look, Jesus went down to the Jordan River, and there were people who knew that they were wrong, that they were in their sins, that they needed repentance, right? What did Jesus do with all of them? He could have, he could have, and I think some of us think this is what he does. You guys are a bunch of rabble, rubble, you know, get out of here, you know, or like, here, let's baptize all of you, you guys all need it, right? He didn't do that. What did he do? He got in line with them, next to them. He waited with, the, you know, so it's like, if we come to God and we say, Lord, help, I'm not right. I'm not right with you. I do things on my own. I'm selfish. Ah, I want, I want more. Jesus puts his arm around us and says, come, I'll show you the way, right? Here, I'll, I'll be baptized with you, you know? I'll come up with you all the way. No condemnation, right? That's John 3, 17. He wasn't sent to condemn the world, right, but to save it. And he wants to be with us so bad, right? He's humble, right? He's different than these other pictures that we might have of who Jesus is. So it's safe for us to confess our sins before God, for us to desire repentance and desire relationship. He will put his arm around us and go through it with us. And here's the promise that we have. If we are open, we're honest with him, we express our failures, we repent of our sins, we can have the confidence not only that he'll be there with us, but that the things that he received afterwards, the Holy Spirit, the dove, demonstrating there is peace between you and God. There is no more war. God has no more beef against you. There is peace. You will receive that. You will also receive the affirmation of God when he says, you are my child. I love you and you have purpose. This is what we have today through Jesus' baptism. His baptism is just showing who Jesus is and he's making the offer to us. Choose humility. And choose a desire for repentance so that you can know him, the spirit, Jesus, the father, all three of them with you in your life. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you 
just for being you. <laughs> Thank you for all the stories that you tell that show us who you are, that reveal more of your heart for us. Thank you for your gentleness. Thank you for your humility. Thank you for your desire just to be with us. I pray that we would take it seriously, our relationship with you, the things that we fall short on. I pray we wouldn't be afraid of those things. I pray that we wouldn't hide them from you. I pray that we would come honestly and receive healing, receive purification, receive cleansing, receive your Holy Spirit, Lord. These are the things that you show are there and they're hints in, in the baptism, God, that you show you will eventually accomplish through your death and resurrection. We thank you for all these things. We thank you for Jesus coming and we ask that you be present, encouraging us to be open and honest with you so that we might receive that healing as well today. In your name we pray, amen. All right, we've got some questions to try to help you uh, walk through, well, what, what does this mean for us? Um, and specifically, how do we then find this uh, during the Christmas season? Uh, so for one, uh, answer the question, where do you see Jesus this time of year? Um, and then you can evaluate how, how big of a stretch it is um, or if it's right on. Now, number two, how frequently should you confess sins? Uh, ac actually answer that one. Is this a daily thing? Is it every sin you, you commit you need to confess? Is it a regular practice every week, a month? You know, what does this look like in practicality for you to just be open uh, both before God and then even with other Christians? And then lastly, how can Christmas traditions encourage humility and repentance? So if that's where we can find God, what things can we add or what things maybe do you guys already do that help lead you toward this posture of humility and repentance during the Christmas season? All right, take maybe seven minutes this morning, then I'll come back up and dismiss.